When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Directing traffic from the base of the ruck, it's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Rugby Run on SCNZ. authority on it yes they certainly do smithy the wallabies got a couple of converted tries in the second half the damage done in the first half when they led by 17 to nil they've outscored the wallabies by five tries to two and have come away with yet another win at eden park so the record goes on final score here 40 to 14. Good afternoon, New Zealand. Dean Butler with you here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run up until 3 o'clock. Then we'll do some more talk uh, between 3 and 4. Uh, we do want your calls 0800 150 811 0800 150 811. You can, of course, text 8833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833833
didn't help me one single bit. No, I bet it didn't, mate. But look, on a on a more serious note, and if you do, if anyone out there wants to give uh, Marcia a call or a question, please uh, do that now. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven or text double eight double three, and we can read. The mount, uh, Justin, I'll start it off, mate. I think one of the big talking points from last night, I, I'm, I'm sure it's a good thing, but at the same time, I'm not sure. Geordie Barrett played a cracker um, and looked like a guy who wanted to play second five. He's been vocal about it. He said, oh, I want 12. He got 12. He had a barnstormer. Great for him and, and good for the All Blacks as well, Marshy? Yeah, I think so because it just adds another weapon to, to their attack, especially in the back line, like... Uh, Traditionally, um, in, in recent years, uh, we've had very good physical players in that jersey, and that that has given a, a good balance uh, across the back line. That there is some heavy lifting that can be be done by those those strong ball carriers, and and Geordie Barrett certainly showed that he's capable of that. Look, he's he's not a small guy anyway, is he? So mm. he's um, able to, to physically uh, take on that role, and I I also like the fact that. He's also got good balance, whereas and he's he's a very good distributor as well. And we saw evidence of that last night when he ripped a couple of really nice passes to players that were in space. So, look, is it a headache for the All Blacks? No, I don't think so. Mm. Um, competition within the squad is is really healthy, uh, and because of that uh, benchmark that that individual set within a team environment, then it pushes everybody else to be better and to improve their game. So. Look, I, I certainly feel that uh, it, it just opened the field up a lot more for them, the way that he played so direct. Uh, and probably what was quite key was also he, he run with such, such purpose and mm. at the right players. He, he, he ran predominantly at leg tacklers, so he was getting good ball presentation and the All Blacks were getting really good ruck speed off his carries. So, yeah, look, he's he's been very vocal about being in that jersey. Equally, I've been very vocal about him playing there because I feel that's the way that he has been playing as a fullback, that mm. he's been gravitating towards the ruck in the 15 jersey and being a first or second carrier off off nine or off 10. And that, that to a degree, was narrowing the width in the All Blacks attack. So, you know, having him in that jersey, I didn't ever feel was going to do any harm because he's showing intent to want to be in that zone anyway. Oh, look, absolutely. And, yeah, I was the same. I was going, wow, this is this is looking great uh, for the All Blacks. Yeah, and Geordie Barrett, he definitely put his hand up. And for the game itself, Marshy, I know I was thinking it was going to be a bit closer than what it turned out to be. What what happened last night? What did the All Blacks do better than the Australians last night? Well, they got a way to a better start, the All Blacks. They, they didn't allow the opposition uh, into the game. Look, there's no doubt in that opening quarter, Australia still had their moments. Uh, they had to survive, uh, obviously, early in the Test match, uh, suffering a yellow card, and mm. then they got another one not long after that. And, and that never helps when your discipline lets you down. But in terms of the All Blacks, you know, they, they, they still took a little bit of time to find that first try that, uh, that Will Jordan so superbly finished off. But once they got their rhythm there, you could just see the, the tempo, the confidence levels uh, really start to lift. And I, I, I guess to a degree they were helped by the opposition's ill-discipline. I thought Australia were poor on the night in terms of the penalties they gave away. They spilt fundamental, basic uh, passes, knocked the ball on. They really struggled mm. uh, because of the All Blacks' physicality on defence. Uh, so, you know, that, that didn't help Australia. But the All Blacks still had to be ruthless, and they were, and they attacked them across the board. They outmuscled them. 
their set piece was just uh, all over Australia, particularly at scrum time. Um, like two tries from line out more. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a very complete. And and, and again, um, you know, a, a side that had been competitive the week before in Australia got made to look very ordinary. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, Marshy. There was really it was an ill-disciplined um, Aussie side, and the the yellow cards were justified. But there was another big call from got a text in here. The penalty try that's a big call, Marshy. I mean, I thought it I thought it was definitely a fair enough decision. How what did you make of it? Yeah, I, I certainly felt that they, they had absolutely no choice. Uh, Australia, uh, poor Ricky, the Australian hooker was the culprit, and. They just didn't read the peel. The All Blacks peeled away uh, to the right. And when they did that, the most of the Australian forwards were stranded. I think they had massive momentum towards the line led by Adi Savia. The ball carrier was behind him uh, and the, the, the mall had stayed intact. And they, they were very much going to score. And, 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 and only Australia bringing it down prevented that. So, yes, yeah, certainly was the right decision. I thought not only was the, the, the mall... Uh, on on attack, very good last night from the All Blacks, but I thought defensively they did a very good job too. You know, Australia did have quite a lot of time in that first half mm. uh, inside the All Blacks 22. In fact, they had double the amount in wow. the first half of what the All Blacks had. So they were actually in the zone a lot, Australia, but the All Blacks goal line defence, their defensive malls, the scrum pressure they put Australia under, the turnovers they got at vital times uh, and then broke out from them you know they didn't mm. get a turnover and think oh my god we've saved the situation <laughs> and then just boot the ball out they they, they they wanted to move Australia around so they attacked out of their 22 a couple of times so yeah you, you'd have to say that across the board um, they, they'd really done their homework and, and particularly done their homework up front yeah, that, that's a good point. You, you noticed it quite a lot last night, and I wasn't sure if it was deliberate <clears throat> or if it was not intended, but a lot of the kicking tended to stay in rather than go out. Do you think that was a deliberate ploy by us? Yeah, I certainly felt that the, the chasing effort as well was was next level. Like, uh, there, there were times where, you know, Bowden Barrett in particular, when there was a kick, they found the grass a lot. You're right, mm, the yeah. kick stayed in play and they found the grass a lot. Australia was scrambling back. They did scramble well, mm. to be fair. The back three of Australia to get back and save some pretty precarious situations because of good, accurate kicking from the All Blacks, but equally really good chasing. You know, like the, they, they weren't just idling along trying to, I guess, formulate a really good defensive line should Australia try to attack them. They really targeted going at that ball once it hit the grass and put, put those defenders who had got back for Australia under pressure. So, yeah, there, there was very, very much a clear uh, move, uh, movement towards trying to keep the ball in play from kicking a lot more. Aaron Smith didn't kick as much. Mm. I think he only maybe hit four or five box kicks in the game. Um, and so, yeah, they, they. I think that's the other, the major positive of, of having somebody, um, you know, in the 12 jersey that can kick because David Harvey's kicking game Yes, uh, against Argentina in particular was simply outstanding, and he also had, um, you know, good, a good kicking game um, against Australia as well before before going off injured. So you bring Geordie Barrett into the mix; he's got a big uh, boot on him as well. It just makes the All Blacks kicking less predictable, and probably that they had got predictable. It, it was one area where we, a lot of us were going, what? what what are we trying to achieve from this kicking strategy apart from giving the ball back to the opposition because they weren't winning the contest in the air. So 
yeah, I think now that they've kind of got kicking 12s, Aaron Smith's backed off his kicking a bit. Fullbacks are stepping up to kick so that the first five's not the only one being put under pressure. Mm. Look a lot better balanced in their kicking strategy. Yeah, yeah, I was the same when I was watching. I thought that is that is good. And look, if you have just joined us, please um, give us a, a text to double eight double three. Justin Marshall is here on the Bunnies Trade Rugby Run, talking about last night's Test match. Or call oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. We've actually got a couple of texts uh, just come in, Justin. Uh, here's the first one: Is Aaron Smith still our premier number nine, or with Finley Christie's speed and delivery, is it time to give him a start? Aaron seems to have lost a bit of his pace and makes the odd mistake. Not necessary last night, but over the whole championship. What do you make of that? I certainly feel that probably we no, uh, need to start giving that uh, that reserve, reserve nine that's on the bench more minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably giving Aaron Smith the message that you know he he, he probably won't now be going into the the, the macro minutes of his test, test matches and and getting him um, to to expend all of his energy in you know fifty or fifty five or sixty minutes. Could be a good message for him um, because I think if if he's got that message and knows that there's a there's a there's a point where he's probably likely to hit the wall because he's completely exhausted himself. Like when do you see the guy even tired? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like he's always he's always yapping. He's always got plenty of energy, and I just wonder whether or not if he got told that he he needs to probably empty the tank a bit more, um, if that's at all possible. And I believe it is. And then giving that other halfback more minutes. I certainly do still feel he is at the moment still our Premier Nine. I think his experience I really, what what you don't see within a Nine is um, decision making. is a massive part of how, how a team functions well mm. and the delivery of Aaron Smith's pass is, you know, basically uh, unquestioned and, and he's, he's got uh, a great crisp um, pass, probably the best in the game, but it's about making sure that that pass is going to the right when it should go to the right. Yeah. Or switching back to the left when there's an opportunity to left. So his experience and his nous of making sure that he's within the game plan, but he's also picking the right players out. Often, time and time again, you see him hitting the right ball ball runners, you know, and a player that's marked up, he'll mm. miss him and he'll hit a guy that's in space or has got a weak shoulder. That's un, that, that That's something that he has just through having played over a hundred test matches and, and I still feel that's why he warrants that jersey and, and he still delivers in that um, in that department big time. Yeah, and look, you, you know, you're speaking from experience yourself, Marsh, because what was it like for you, um, you know, f- when you were getting towards, say, the end of your your career, mm. did you did you think, oh, man, I have to go above and beyond if, if the coach said to me, hey, Justin, we're going to give you 50, then we're hauling you, or did it not happen so much when you were playing? How was it handled towards the end of your AB's career. Yeah, certainly was starting to give uh, other opportunities, but th- but that's also looking towards the future as well. And coaches have to do that when they start seeing players get in their thirties, which Aaron Smith is, and mm. some of many of the All Blacks are at the moment. Uh, and while we've got to continue to try and give give players, you know, enough minutes out there that they are learning and and learning. Uh, in, in tough and tricky environments, uh, in good environments when confidence levels are high, that they're getting all components of making sure that when they're when it's time for their test uh, run to start, that they they are well equipped to to be in be in the right frame of mind for it because they've had the the, the minutes and the coaches given and injected them in at the right time. So that was certainly 
something that I was told and was aware of later stages of my career. And mm. that was probably my mindset. I guess that's why I mentioned it was I knew that I was no longer, and I used to always play 80 minutes. Yeah, that's right. Like, that's what I thought. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, the evolution of the game and, and the, 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 the substitutes turning into impact players, not substitutes anymore. Um, you know, you realise that you, you didn't need to save yourself to try and be doing something in the in the last 10 minutes or 15 minutes of the match. You mm. needed to be doing more doing more, doing more actions throughout the game um, so that if you did get bought up after 60 minutes, you, you had given everything you've got, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I certainly, certainly feel that that's something that they might, might start thinking about. And they are. They're bringing Aaron Smith off a lot. Yes. Early, a lot earlier than what they have in the past. Yeah, it's interesting. All right, look, another, if you've, and also listeners, if you've got any texts, please send them in, double eight, double three, or give us a call, 0800 150 I've got another text here for you, Justin. It's from Anthony, and this is one that I think you, everyone, this is always a talking point. Hi, guys. I think you should be able to take a rolling mall down so it splits and makes it a contest. Yellow cards for that just ruin the game. Make it like the good old days. Cheers, Anthony. I mean, the, the rolling mall, it's a big talking point, Justin. What do you think? Well, it is, particularly when you get a very good side that once they get good set position, so the, a good lift, good execution, good throw, and get their, um, their basically their lifters in the right position, uh, the ball secure, you know, it's very hard then to get in and infiltrate that if they get it moving forward um, without doing it illegally. Um, it's just the nature of the way um, the, the, that the, the mall is at the moment. Uh I, cert- I certainly feel that defensively, you know, that, that teams like the All Blacks recently, like the Crusaders, mm. uh, who don't get many driving mauls against them, um, uh, uh, mauls are defendable. Uh, I am surprised that, that teams don't get them on the ground um, a lot more mm. uh, and, and, and make a conscious effort to, to sack them um, straight away. Uh, so, yeah, look, I, I do feel that, Intentionally collapsing them, though, is just too negative. Um, you know, I, I certainly feel that off malls you can sort of create more play as well as just driving. Like you can get a little mini drive going and then bounce out with players and catch the opposition um, unawares. And But if it constantly went on the ground, it would just become messy. So uh, I think there are ways to defend the rolling mall and there's ways to get it on the ground, but I don't think intentionally collapsing, collapsing it is... I, look, I, uh, mm. I've made my feelings known about malls in the past, but yeah. we, won't, we won't go there again. But um, I certainly <laughs> do feel that, uh, that, that 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 would be too negative to, to do it on purpose. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I am I watched the game last night with my mate Steve, and he knows a lot more about rugby than I do. And, yeah, he well, he's not a big fan of the rolling mall either, but he said you can stop it, but it has to be like the first man in has to take the first guy down as the way to yeah. do it. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, well, yeah, before and before they get it formed, so mm. you know you've got to be quite accurate in doing that. And I, I believe that's because it's so well protected now. That's why it's so hard to get on the ground. Right. Um, so yeah, look, I, I certainly am aware that World Rugby are looking at that part of the game on on how to make it more of an even contest mm. um, because we don't want to see, like I watched an NPC game. Uh, I don't know about two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, it was it was. And uh, I, I just, I think there was four tries for, from, from one ro- team from rolling wall and wow. two from the other. Jeez. It was like six rolling wall tries. And I was like, 
yeah, this is actually getting very, very yeah. predictable and very tedious. Yeah, yeah, that and that I, that I think is the great worry for everyone. Uh, Marshy, because you know, in the end it will be okay. We're going to kick for a line out. We're going to form them more. We get, you know, and it's just going to be. And if we don't succeed from that, we're probably going to get a penalty and reset again. So yeah. it becomes like a default. This is what we do, type of thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, if they can sort yeah. it out, what if, if they if they had any solutions? Do, is there a way, Marshy, that that could be um, solved? Um, yeah, look, I, I certainly feel that perhaps. They could, they could um, negate that that what they call that swimming around the mall. If I was mm. thinking about it honestly, I think mm. if a player can stay attached to the mall and he does swim his way around the side, yeah, that then he can then he should be as long as he doesn't unbind, then he should be legally able to have a go at the ball. But they do want to stick by the, at the moment the fact that you have to you have to come from where the mall originated and basically come through the middle and if you start what they call swim around the mall mm. uh they they make you go they if you do that though you'll hear the referee saying you need to get you need to uh unbind and and um get back on side so that that would be one way mm. and that would force the opposition when that guy is swimming his way around not detaching from the mall but making his way around the side mm. That the opposition would have to try and stop him and block him because he knows he's going to get to the source. So, I don't know. Just throwing that out there. That's that's a, that's a small idea of how we could maybe improve it or well, make make it um, harder for the the uh, the attacking team because a player can get can get to your ball. Yeah, no, no, good thoughts, Marshy, good thoughts. Hey, look, we're going to take um, a break now. After that, if you do have a, a text, please do so, double eight double three, or give Marshy a call, 0800 You're with Dean Butler and Justin Marshall here on the Bunnings Trade or Rugby Run. 25 past one here on Sunday. Welcome back into the Rugby Run with Dean Butler and Justin Marshall. Keep your calls coming in 0800-150-811 or text double eight double three. I just got a reply from uh, Anthony Marshy. He asked you about the rolling mall. He said, hey, good answer, Marshy. We just want more of a contest. Cheers from Anthony. So he's he's fully backing you, mate. Um, and also, we've actually got a, a call now. It is um, Irish John from the, the Naki. John, how are you, mate? Hey, not so bad. Not so bad, no. Good. Hey, just a quick two questions for Justin. Yes. Hey, Justin, um, has Foster found his midfield yet for the World Cup? And second, was that an average um, Aussie team going into the World Cup as well? Like, you couldn't read too much into it? Yeah, well, interesting questions, actually, mate. Um, look, look, the, the midfield, I, I think, has been... Uh, basically heavily debated uh, for quite a while now as New Zealand's gone through a bit of a transition and trying to find the answer to the, the Ma'anonu um, Conrad Smith uh, situation where there's been a lot of players tried and obviously Jack Goodhue was a big part of the plans in moving forward and him being injured uh, ruled him out so has ruled him out for the last couple of years which is really unfortunate for him but it's forced them to go to other areas, I, I, I guess they weren't contemplating. Now, there's been plenty of players given the opportunity. Uh, David Harvey, obviously uh, one of those. Roger Tuivasa-Sheik hasn't had lots of time. And obviously, we saw Geordie Barrett last night. Um, Quintu Pyre. Uh, so, you know, 12 is, is probably more of a problem than centre because Rico seems to be uh, growing in that position and, and making better decisions uh, and, and looking more and more dangerous um, the more time he gets in the jersey. So, look. I certainly feel that last night what it showed was 
that, that, that having that physical player in that jersey mm-hmm. just brings a different element of attack uh, to the All Blacks mm-hmm. backline, and and it commands attention from defenders when you've got a guy that's six foot seven, over a hundred kgs, and runs hard. You know, you get, you nearly need to commit two tacklers to him every time, and that frees up space for everyone else because defenders have to hold and wait uh, and, and make sure that they are going. A, a tackler is going to get the job done one on one. So, look, you could see that being the combination and moving forward. Um, I certainly feel there's a lot of merit in that. Um, again, David Harvey still does offer a lot in that jersey. Um, in terms of the team performance and. Is that the type of team that could go and, and compete against the likes of Ireland and France? Mate, I, I've always felt that New Zealand has the talent. It's just mm-hmm. been about finding their rhythm and their game plan again. And, and I certainly feel mm-hmm. that they're starting to play more positively and, and playing mm-hmm. uh, the field and not playing in areas of the field. They've gone away from being... Uh, instinctive as to when there are opportunities to attack and not being afraid to attack from all parts of the field. They've got this mindset of kicking, kicking, kicking down into the right zones to try and play from there. And I certainly think the balance last night was much better. It's grown from that great test win at Alice Park where they attacked across the board there. So, yeah, absolutely. Like, there'll be other players that'll probably get opportunities apart from the players that were in that side last night. But I think it's more not about the players; it's more about the mindset to play. Mm. Good stuff. Oh, good, yeah, good as goals. Yeah, have a good one. Cheers, sir. Thank you, Irish John. Thank the, you, buddy. Yeah, much appreciated. Well answered, too, Marshy. If you want to uh, ask Marshy a question, please do so. 0800-150811 or text. Double eight, double three. A couple of texts have come in, uh, Marshy, as well. You kind of answered this one just when you were talking to Irish John. Marshy, uh, do you now think that Rico is our best centre and cemented his spot? Oh, look, I'll put my hand up because I haven't been convinced. And and, and I think he's starting to convince me now mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I, I felt that, uh, you know, that when... when the true test is when you get that aggressive out to in defence and, and that's when your time and space is really cut down as a centre because that winger basically, the minute that you get the ball and South Africa are very good at it, Ireland are good at it, that, that, that winger or that centre, um, dependent on where the ball is, they are right on you and you've only got split second to react. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I, was, I was unsure whether Rico's distribution skills should that, uh, situation eventuate and he's got a free man outside him because the winger has turned in and left the space that he's got the vision and he's got the instinct as a as a natural centre to deliver that pass or to see where the space is and and, and, and free it to, to where there there is an opportunity um, but I think again having played more this year against that defence um, He's learning and he and he's becoming a lot more, um, I, I guess, better at making those decisions. Know when to give himself a little bit more depth. That's mm. really key. It's important to know when just to pull back a little bit. And, and then there's times when and against an aggressive defence when you go real flat and go hard at that defender and punch between where they've come up slightly fractured because they've come up so fast. So, look, uh, who's playing better than him? That would be probably the other um, question to, con- to consider. Like, if if I was to say no, I have to say to myself, 
because it's this guy. Mm. And at the moment, I quite clearly, I, I don't feel that I have that, 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 that person. So, yes, I think he is quite clearly our best centre in the country at the moment. Yeah, look, it's a funny one, Marshy, because I'm with you, mate. I wasn't convinced about Rico either, but then the last few games he's really stepped up. Last night he had a cracker, but there was one moment when he kind of was running and Will Jordan mm-hmm. was coming up on the outside and he cut inside and we all looked at the screen yeah. and went, just pass it to the gas man and let him go. You know? Well, yeah, and that's where, you know, you've got to have the ability to pass uh, and know that regardless of the fact that Will Jordan does get caught, you're still on your feet. Yes. You're not tackled. And and that's a real key decision to make, to go, okay, bang, I will pass early, and then I won't be tackled to the ground, and I might get a return pass here. Because if their last defender, or their, both their, their, their two defenders who are trying to catch someone with that much gas mm. in uh, Will Jordan, um, he's probably going to get an offload away or they're not going to get great shoulders on him. And then Rico's still back on his feet. And then that's, yeah, that's just those little, those little, you know, in big games, you know, the, the All Blacks were in control at that stage of that yeah. test match. But in a, in a big game, you, 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 this, is, this is really, um, I, I guess, bo- boiling it down. But, but you have to grab those moments, you know, because mm. very, very world-class sides in the world at the moment, they won't give you many. And if you can create a breakout like that, you really need to maximise that breakout by, by be, being making good decisions and finishing them off. Um, so, yeah, but in general, you know, he's, he's not made poor decisions um, on a regular basis. And again, he'll, he'll review that on, um, on Monday, um, might have already done so, <laughs> and think, yeah, might have got might have got that wrong. But as long as he does and processes that and moves on from it, but knows next time when I'm in that situation, yeah, this is what I've got to do. You know, that's him continuing to grow, and the All Blacks continuing will continue to prosper if he if he keeps learning. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, we are we are splitting hairs a bit. Yeah, hundred percent right, Marshy. Hey, a couple more texts have come in. If you've got something to ask Justin Marshall, please do so. Double eight double three oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Uh Marshy, uh, twenty eight penalties. Have refs lost the feel for the game? A lot of these uh ones had no influence on the game. Yeah, look I I tend to steer down that pathway as well where yeah. You know, like the ref, the referees are very quick at the moment on the whistle when a when a tackler gets himself into into that wrong position and and doesn't roll away or effectively get out of the way of the ball, even though the ball is still available. And you know that that does uh, I do find that frustrating because I understand why they're trying to do that because they want the game to be quicker and they want it to be speared mm. up. And when a player's lying there. You know, halfbacks are very good now at getting in there and making it very clear that there's somebody in their way. They'll they'll put their knees on the bloke, they'll wave, they'll point <laughs> at him, they'll let the referee know and do everything they can to say he he shouldn't be there. Mm. And and the referee recognises that. But ultimately, if they that player is trying his best to roll out of there, he's usually got his hands like above his head, flat on the grass, that he's trying to almost play dead. Um. The, 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 they are they are pretty passive in there, and and halfbacks can get in and clear it and lift the ball, and and the game could carry on. Um, yeah, there are other parts of the game where I, I I do agree that if it's not actually having an effect on the 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 um the phase or 
the ability for the game to continue uh, to, to referee, uh, to blow a penalty. Sometimes I just think we're going a little bit too far to that extreme. And it's actually what they're trying to create, which is a faster, quicker game. Mm. Ironically, they're actually causing a slower, more broken down type of game. So, <laughs> the, yeah, you've got to try and get that balance right and, and we'll all feel a lot better for it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, tw- 28 penalties is a lot. Um, geez, I, I did an NPC game last weekend and I don't know how many people caught it. Targo got away with a, a late win against Waikato. Mm. It was a bit of a hard watch because there were there were 31 penalties Whoa. and there, and 28 mistakes. Jeez. You know, so that's nearly 60 minutes worth of, um, yeah, of uh, you know, stoppages, really, isn't it? With, yeah. With referee blowing his whistle or the opposition making an error. And uh, we don't want to see that in our game. No, you're right. And look, just on the back of that, there's another text saying, hi, mate, that first half was pushing an hour long with all the stoppages. Just ridiculous. Mm. Broken into play, broken end-to-end play was entertaining for five minutes of that first half. Just crazy. Just what you're saying, Marshy. Yeah, it did. It did get elongated, didn't it? And and there, there was some rationale behind it because they needed to look quite clearly at uh, the, the tip tackle, and they yes. had a lot of looks at that. Yep. Um, and yeah, there was there was other parts within the game where the TMO was involved. Um, I felt like that was that got quite tedious um, last night. I feel that I think you're almost watch it that many times like the Sam Whitelock incident mm. you're trying to convince yourself that what you're seeing is not actually what you're seeing yeah, <laughs> yeah true like, let's look at it like 20 times to try and sort of convince my mind that what I'm actually seeing is not right and and, and it actually makes it more cloudy yeah uh, and that particular process took what nearly five minutes at least it went on forever and yeah I think um you know we've got to be very careful that the way that the uh, the TMOs are being brought into the game, you know, their directive maybe should be, we'll give you, um, if, we've, if say Sky's got three camera angles, we'll give you those three camera angles and make, then you make up your mind. It's a good call. Because you, you're not going to then go watch the three camera angles again. So that's six times. Yeah, true. And then you're still not quite sure. So that's nine times. Yeah. Because they are asking. We can hear them in our... Oh. In our um, earphones and the, and the TMO's going, can I have a look at that un, uh, other angle? Right. Have you got another angle director? So they are, the TMO's are asking for, for, for more. And oh, I boy. think that's not helping them because it's, it's making them, you know, more, less decisive, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Hey, look, we've got to take another break. We'll be back after that with more of the Rugby Run with Dean Butler and Justin Marshall. Tim Horan on the line. Tim, good afternoon to you, mate, and thanks for uh, being on the show with Marshy. Yeah, good day, boys. Um, nice to be on the show. And, yeah, it's a, a beautiful day here in Auckland. We haven't flown back to Brisbane yet, so I thought we'd try and drown our sorrows at lunch before we head back. Yeah, well, Marshy said um, you had a couple of brews last night after the game as well, so uh, not, not too dusty this morning, uh, Tim? No, all good. All up and up and at them, and um, yeah, great performance, wasn't it, from the All Blacks last night? And they were ruthless, and and the Wallabies just didn't turn up at certain stages. Gave away too many penalties, missed I think about twenty eight tackles, and that really cost the Wallabies. The momentum was all with the All Blacks. 
Timmy, mate, uh, when I left you last night, you had that glint in your eye. Did you manage to catch the, your late nightcap uh, Malibu milk at the, <laughs> the hotel bar, or did you sidle off to bed? <laughs> no, I went back to the hotel bar, Marshy, and uh, they had plenty of milk, but they had no Malibu, so uh, I had to go to bed <laughs> earlier than I thought. <laughs> um, hey, look, last night, it's quite interesting because you know, obviously, we're, we're looking a lot at the test matches objectively as we can, but many New Zealanders probably wouldn't have picked up on this, but you guys certainly did in your your coverage with Stan Sports uh, and um, certainly felt that last night um, Sevi Reese probably should have got at least a yellow, possibly, a, I mean, definitely a yellow, possibly a red card. Talk us through that. Yeah, I, yeah. When I saw it live, Reese Hodge, you know, running through, and then obviously Sever Reese wanted to make an impact off the bench, and he certainly did. And yeah, but you know, I don't really agree with all the laws, but the law's been pretty consistent. So that, I'd be surprised if he's not cited. I would say he'll get probably six six weeks, but it'll come back to three weeks or maybe three games. So maybe NPC might be you know a couple of games there, and then he might be able to go on the tour, but. Yeah, that'll be interesting. But it wasn't, you know, it was late in the game. It wasn't going to change the dynamic of the game. But just the laws need to be consistent. But um, the All Blacks, but gee, Helgen was, you know, Geordie Barrett at 12. Like he now puts pressure on all these other centres that the combinations for the All Blacks. And mm. he was very good looked at home. What is it like when you have a player of that stature uh, to basically defend against. So, you know, obviously you've you've defended against many good uh, 12s and 13s in the world in your time, but when you've got a guy that carries like that, is it almost, you know, he's six foot seven, is that almost a dual tackle type scenario where you have to double team him? And, and if that's the case, is that where it gives the All Blacks quite a big advantage, having a guy like that and that size and that jersey? Yeah, when I saw him selected at 12, I thought that's a good option for him. He'll be able to move around. And I spoke to Ian Foster before the game in an interview, but then off air, I just said to him, what are you expecting from Geordie Barrett tonight? And he said, well, I don't really mind what number he's got on his back. I want him to have a roving role, whether he plays first receiver, second receiver, he can go back to fullback. So I thought he's going to be more of a ball player, which he was, and mm-hmm. a couple of great cutout passes through the game. But he actually but he had two or three carries that he carried like a... Um, uh, or, or, you know, he, he got across the advantage line. I thought, I'd never really seen that from him. Uh, obviously, first game in an all-black, you know, 12, but he played 12 before in Super Rugby. But, um, yeah, I was very impressed with the way he knew what he had to do at 12 to get across the advantage line. What do you feel uh, Rico Ioane's playing like at centre? Have you seen enough of him to, to that he has... Now our our centre for the Rugby World Cup. Yeah, in that first half, he had a couple of runs where he bumped off two or three players, got well in behind the advantage line. And the, the only thing with your centres, Marshy, and also with the Wallaby centres, it just doesn't ever seem to be any combinations. It's chop and change all the time. That's sometimes that's mm. through injuries, through Harvilly and other and Quinn Chapire and things like that that happen. That's out of your control, but. Similar with the Wallabies as well. We just can't seem to get a centre pairing to, to stay and stick together for a long period of time. So that's probably, that'll be the challenge for Ian Foster going into the World Cup a year out. OK, that's, can, can we get a centre pairing that actually can form a combination? What? How, how worried are you about Australia at the moment? They are very much 
up and down and more down than up. And um, that performance last night, uh, it was, wasn't was probably what you were expecting to see, not what Dave Rennie was expecting to see. Is, is it a concern that there are these massive fluctuations from week to week in this Wallaby side? Yeah, it's, it's a worrying side. And Dave Rennie's got a great culture amongst the team. My, my only issue with the Wallabies at the moment is that it's, and that some of it's been forced through injuries, but we're changing the team week in, week out. Like Noel Olaseu, that fly half, he's our future. So he's someone you've got to build a team around. And even the back row, pick and stick and stay with the back row. I think we've got it right now, a really big back row. Even if Michael Hooper does come back at the end of season two, which he rumours is he 50-50 chance he might travel with the Wallabies. But even if he doesn't, have a big back row. Put your smaller back row, whether it's Fraser McRide or, or Michael Hooper on the bench and they come on later in the game. That's the game that's evolved now. The last 18 months, it's a collision game. It's a, it's how big your back row is. and But it's a worrying side, Marshy, you're right. We, we are struggling week in, week out, and we're now ninth in world rugby. That's huge. But luckily enough, we've got a reasonably supportive draw in Rugby World Cup in a year's time. Hey, Tim, it's Dino here, mate. Hey, also, from a you know, fan's perspective last night, we were, we were expecting a closer game between Aussie and the All Blacks, given what happened last week. Were you disappointed with, with how they handled themselves last night? Yeah, I think every Wallaby fan was disappointed in, in how they delivered, you know, missing nearly 30 tackles and giving away too many penalties. The momentum just moved away from the Wallabies. And then... And I actually thought the referee, Andrew Brace, last night did a pretty good job right throughout. He was Communication was very good, um, but any 50-50 calls went against the Wallabies, and that, that happens in test matches. And uh, there was no complaint from me in the commentary team with the referee. I thought he was was pretty good. Maybe the TMO missed a couple of things, but that's OK. You know, there's always collisions in rugby. But, you know, I think for this Wallaby team, they've got five test matches now overseas, and... That's a that's a big two or five test matches against big nations, all bar England. That's a, that's a pretty big effort from this team, and they're going to have to take a pretty wide squad. Yeah. Hey. Uh, also, if you've got a text for Tim Horan, please let us know double eight double three, or even call oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. We've actually got a text come in, uh, Tim, which you might be able to help Marshy with. The text is: How would Marshy go wearing Nick White's pants? <laughs> <laughs> Marshy didn't mind too much of a chat on the field, not as much as Nick White, but uh, Marshy was better off the field after a couple of beverages um, with the chat. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so keep them coming in, folks. Double eight, double three. If you've got a text for uh, Tim Horan or indeed you want to give him a call, oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. So, what do you think, mate? The um, the likelihood is now of them having to make more changes because like you said that is a huge tour for for Australia to take on you know France um, Ireland isn't it France Ireland Italy uh, Wales well, and Scotland yeah so they've so they've got a massive tour coming and Dave Rennie what he usually does now he's able to pick three players who are playing offshore but they won't pick any players who are playing in Japan. So, of course, Quade Cooper ruptured his Achilles. Samu Krivi uh, ruptured his ACL. They're out for at least eight to ten months. So 
be interesting to see what he does where he picks a couple of younger players to go on tour to try and blood them for a year's time at Rugby World Cup because, you know, Rugby World Cup, Wales and Fiji in the Wallabies pool and you're on a pretty good side of the draw. So if you're good enough, you definitely get to the quarters. And if you're lucky enough in the quarters, you're probably going to play England or Argentina in the quarters. So all of a sudden, if, if you're good enough, you play a semi-final. So he's got to think, I, in my opinion, he's got to think now, who's our 10 for the World Cup? Who's our 9? Who's our 15? We're struggling to work out who's going to be the best 15. Mm. Is Jordan Pataya a starting player or on the bench? And then try and pick a team for these first couple of test matches and go, OK, this is the team we want to start with at Rugby World Cup, subject to injuries. Pick that side and back them for three or four test matches in a row. Hey, hey Tim as well. Sorry, just, sorry, Justin. I just had a text come in. What's happened to the Tongan Thor for Australia? Yeah, Kenny Otrupo, he injured his calf um, in the warm-up uh, in Sydney against the Springboks. So he warmed up okay. And he was warming up five minutes just before half-time and he, he strained his calf, the calf that he strained a couple, about two months ago. So... He's got calves bigger than a rhino, so they've said to him, listen, you need to take some time off, um, relax. He'll definitely go on tour. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, it, may, it would have been great to have him in the front row last night because we, we struggled. Even James Slipper was tapped and struggled. Mm. Angus Bell came on. He was hinging too much. And the Wallabies, if we don't get our scrum right, like every test team, you don't get scrum right, you don't have a platform. Just finally, mate, you would have seen what's unfolded here probably in the last six months uh, with Ian Foster, uh, and he's now been given, you know, the the, the task and the role through to the end of the Rugby World Cup. But what's going on in Australia around Dave Rennie? What's the chat there? Because obviously he is a coach under pressure. You, you mentioned ninth in the world. I think his win ratio is just on 40%. Um, is there any murmurs about any changes? Any He has made some changes to his coaching group already, hasn't he? Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, no pressure whatsoever on Dave Rennie because everyone believes he's the right person for the job. I think it's making sure he's got the cattle, making sure he's got the right players. Um, you know, Laurie Fisher's come in to help him out from the Brumbies. Dan McCallum's come in to help him out from the Brumbies. Dan McCallum's probably the, the coach, next Wallaby coach in waiting, but that's probably a year or two away, subject to how well the, or the Wallabies go in World Cup. You, you get to a semi-final, Rugby World Cup, Dave Rennie probably coaches for another couple of years, if he wants to. Um, but he's got to make sure he's got the players and the support staff around him. He's got the best coaching support staff around him I've ever seen in a Wallaby team. So it's nothing to do with the coaching staff. It's now down to the players and the cattle. So hopefully you can turn that around in the next 12 months. Yeah, well, we'll find out. Hey, before you go, um, uh, Tim, Joey's on the phone. He's got a question which you might be able to answer, Justin, if you've got some thoughts on it too. Joey, uh, ask away, mate. Yeah, Tim and Justin, yeah, uh, good program, mate. Just just want to know um, uh, what what you do with um, two of us shit now, now that, I mean, Geordie Barrett just had a blind at it to me, and... Um, and, you know, so two of us six sort of going further down and, and he only come on for, for what, 10 minutes, quarter of an hour, you know. Um, going forward, um, maybe for you, Tim, being a, a second 5'8", what would you do with him? And just on one other thing, you, your number seven was outstanding in the side that uh, that uh, had two, two guys in the bin. 
you know, you've got guys in the bin in a test match like that, you're not, you're not very rarely are you going to win because it takes a lot out of the 14 players that are on at the time. Um, and, you know, I thought yeah, I think, it's 17 I think we struggled. Yeah, I think I think we struggled when when Dave Parecki got sent to the Sinbin for twelve minutes. That's when the Wallabies really struggled. But um, when you look ahead, like two of us, Shaq, yeah, I, I think the tour is the time for him. And Marcy's probably got a comment on that. But I think he, he'll play a lot of games. He'll probably get a couple of starts. I think on the end of season tour for the All Blacks, to, and you would think he would probably start against Japan. Um, that's what I would do if you're Ian Foster, give him some time, because you don't want getting close to a Rugby World Cup in a year's time and you haven't given him plenty of time. It's a bit like you can be in the nets in cricket for so many years, but you've, you've got to get out in the middle and actually play some test matches. Yeah, look, I'd, I'd also like to see the possibility of him getting a bit more space. So putting him in a different jersey. You know, is there any harm in seeing Roger Tuivasa check, see if he can adjust to playing wing? Because at the moment, his footwork, his speed is not being utilised. There's just so much traffic. The, the line speed in the game now, particularly in the midfield, doesn't give you a, a great deal of time to, to bring those skills um, in, into the game. And I just wonder whether or not he, he's basically been suffocated in the jersey that he's in. And, and why not give him an opportunity to play out a bit wider? So that would be my two cents worth. But, mate... Um, I really appreciate you joining us. You mentioned cattle before. Uh, I gave you a recommendation of a uh, ribeye on the bone there at the Botswana. I know you're having a nice lunch with the lads this afternoon, so we should let you go tuck into that with a nice red wine. New Zealand Pinot, mate. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Good to catch up. Yeah, the, uh, the ribeye on the bone has just arrived, and Sean Maloney, my co-commentator, He's into the duck fat chips, so I better keep moving before they all empty up. <laughs> oh. Hey, boys, just before we go, um, listen, congratulations on won the win last night to the All Blacks, but also congratulations on yet again winning the Bledisloe Cup. Um, you know, you're great friends of ours, and we re- really respect the All Blacks and the All Blacks fans. So um, great to be here in New Zealand being welcomed, and hopefully we can put our hand up next year. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much. That was Tim Horn, folks, on the line. Great to hear from him. And, uh, yeah, you can tell, Marshall, when you talk with guys like Tim, there is a closeness that you and him have. And even the audience, even Joey, you could tell even the fans, hey, the AB's fans respect that as well. So that was just awesome. A special guest joining us on the line now, it's Ken Laban. Ken, good afternoon to you. Afternoon, Ding. How you doing, mate? Hey, look, let's get straight yeah, into the rugby chit-chat because we haven't got very long left. I'll start with the ABs. Uh, Will Jordan, we all wanted him at fullback. He didn't get that wish, but last night he touched the ball a lot and we loved it. Yeah, well, he's talented. Uh, one of the challenges the All Blacks have, already, have always had is what they do and how they fit everybody in. Um, and on the park, and of course, Sebu Reese just gave us a little reminder of how good he was with his little cameo. Uh, at the end, so mm-hmm. that's going to be the challenge for the coaching staff. Um, so many talented players, but you only can put 15 to start. And I think Geordie uh, Barrett and the number 12 user, you've probably been talking about this mm. all day um, as well, but I thought he was terrific in the midfield as well. So it might have been, Kenny, might have been for a joining us, solution mate, to put him uh, there, but now really what? appreciate it. Sorry, buddy. Um, I-, I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Tyrell Lomax. Now, look, that, that front row is, well, excuse the pun, fronting up big time. <laughs> but you know a lot about Tyrell, man. He has, he has come on in the last half a dozen games, big time, hasn't he? He has. Um, 
Mate, well, I suppose that the first thing to be to be obvious is 127 kilos. <laughs> so he's the heaviest tight head. He's the heaviest tight head in New Zealand. He's obviously the heaviest tight head um, in the All Blacks. And I think many of us in the front rowers that you and I work with a lot at Sky had made that observation when he was in South Africa that against those big mm. uh, Bok boys that at 127 kilos he was better off starting than being back here in New Zealand eating meat pies. That's the first thing. So he's got the he's got the big numbers. Secondly, um, he's had good shooters along the way. And if you talk to Tyrell, he thinks the world of um, of Mark Hammett, of Craig Dermody, and especially of Wyatt Crockett, who tutored him when he first came through at Tasman. Now you add Jace Ryan um, on top of that. Mm. And um, what you're starting to see now is the maturing and the developing of uh, a quality professional into, into a hopefully what's going to be a world-class tight head. And I thought the example, well, not the example, but I thought his, uh, his showing last night just reminded us of what an exciting potential he is for the future of the tight head prop in New Zealand. I t- absolutely, totally agree. Um, well, we've just dissected the All Blacks and Australia quite a lot, and in general, the rugby championship. So what we wanted to shift on to was the game that you're involved with yesterday. The first question I want to ask you, mate, is... From your from your experience, having experienced it in the past, but then again yesterday, what was was shield fever evident in Wellington? Um, no, um, mm. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna take some time. Um, you have to remember from a Wellington perspective, mate. It's been fourteen years. Uh, the Hurricanes and Lions continue to be indifferent, um, but I would hope. Um, that with the whole summer to think about it, promotion, marketing, organising opportunities to get the word out in the community that they could build something special on the back end of some great defence, uh, a great defensive campaign uh, next year. There's 8,288, I think the crowd was, I remember, when Wellington took the shield off Hawke's Bay. Uh, I think Hawke's mm-hmm. Bay have had the best crowd averages this year. Um, and their wider community really bought in uh, to shield fever. But I thought the crowd, for for whatever reason, you know, maybe um, the All Blacks. Um, it was a, it was a shocking day. Um, all the kind of excuses that were put out before um, may have been may have been factors. Uh, but I certainly hope that uh, what you're alluding to happens in the future. That interest builds and people find really good reasons to come, and we can turn it into a festival type atmosphere, which I've seen many times at Hawke's Bay over the last couple of years of their most recent tenure, which lasted 15 defences. Yeah, absolutely. Did, did the score, I agree with you as well, did, did the scoreline surprise you? Did you think that Wellington were going to be able to it pull the away by that margin? Marshy, I thought they were going to have a hell of a time uh, defending the mm. Shield yesterday, to be honest. Uh, Waikato were just, well, it was just one minor hiccup against Otago uh, the week before. Otherwise, they came in with a uh, very, very impressive... I think it was six wins, one draw and one loss. Uh, they were first and second on the table. One was the defending champion. Um, the Waikato, we know, have been, uh, you know, normally get up uh, for the Shield uh, challenge. I thought that their forward pack was more experienced than the Wellington one. Um, I thought they would dominate up front, but none of that... Um, none of that happened. And, and in effect, it all, it all happened in reverse. Uh, and TJ Pettinato, I can't say enough um, about his contribution for Wellington. 
uh, Marsha Hears, you'd know, if anybody had an excuse, you know, to just turn up, do what he had to do, yeah. miss the odd game, mm. um, you know, given his status and profile in the game, it would be him. But he's just been an absolute phenomenal leader. Um, as you know, with our grand microphones, we can hear him talking and organising and rallying the troop. He's just been sensational for them. Um, and, of course, young Aidan Morgan, uh, outside him, who's not long out of school himself, uh, having the opportunity to grow and develop. And he's been a very smart player at number 10 as well. And, of course, you know, at number eight, um, is that 19-year-old kid who's a, basically he's a 19-year-old Artie Savia, whether or not he can be as good as Artie, well, you know, time will tell. But, you know, he's outside him, he's got um, TJ Pedernada, and inside Aidan Morgan, he's got TJ. So he's he's running the cutter, as you know, and he's steering that Wellington ship around. Yeah, look, it was a great win uh, for Wellington, absolutely, uh, Ken. But in the side, you know, are, there, are there any players? We've been talking about the Northern Tour. We always look for bolters. Any bolters you could see? And also, how did Damien McKenzie go in this one? I thought Damien McKenzie was overshadowed uh, by the, comb- the nine-ten combination of um, of TJ, uh, Pitanada, and Aidan Morgan. Um, bolters, I don't know how... How many extra are they going to take that are not already in camp with the All Blacks? Um, mm. I can't think of the la- I can't think of the last time um, it happened. If there's if there's going to be a bolter, it have to be Roger, who's already in there. Um, and, and what have he got? Ten minutes yesterday too, the start sheet. So you know, I, I I don't know that there are too many um, unless they take TJ. Uh, but what's the point of bringing on Finlay Christie if they take TJ? Um, so I, I don't know. Brad Brad Webber's been terrific um, for Hawks Bay, uh, but if he gets picked as he a bolter, well, I wouldn't think so. Not after seventeen tests. Yeah, no, very good call. Hey Ken, mate, we are running out of time, but thank you so much for uh, talking with us uh, this afternoon. Much appreciated. In- my pleasure, bro. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.